We're jumping in the Word. We've been in this series. I don't know if I'll call it a series or just a, a year focus. I mean, it's been, what, 16 weeks or something. I think we've been in this series, which is a long series. Um, but we've been talking about worship, and there's a lot of different aspects of worship. We've been talking about really the, the when you really boil it down, worship is your relationship between you and God. And if you're worshiping God, you're connecting with God. Singing isn't worship. Singing is a way we connect with God. We worship through singing, but singing isn't worship. Otherwise, when you sing happy birthday, you're worshiping. When you sing this, you're worshiping. It's not, it's not singing. It's not songs. Songs are a way we express our love to God and our reverence for God. So we've talked a lot about this worship and really bringing it, bringing it home to the fact that it's, worship is something that takes place every day. It's not a Sunday morning Worship time, even though we do worship here when we put the focus on God. But worship is every day of your life. When you decide to connect with God through his word, through just being still before the Lord, through allowing him to speak to you, uh, through prayer, through song, however you want to do it. But it's you connecting with God. That's what worship is. Giving your life over to him. The two verses that are part of this theme, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about presenting your bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice because of all that he's done for us. And because of what he's done for us, we in, in, in turn, we can present our lives to him because he went first. I mean, he showed his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son for us. Romans chapter 12. If you, the first 11 chapters talk about how God has made us righteous and God has redeemed us from the curse of the law and for all that. And and there's this new life that comes and it's no longer about the law, but it's about the grace and the love of God that that, uh, put us in this new covenant with him. And that's so we're responding to him because of his goodness to us and his love for us. And it says to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And it says this is your reasonable act of worship. By giving your, giving your life to the Lord. And it says a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, when you think of sacrifice, especially in the, in, the old, in the Old Testament, something died. So a living sacrifice seems like an oxymoron, but what it's saying is you die to yourself and you live for God. He's the most important thing and your life is no longer yours. Now your life belongs to him and you're in full surrender uh, to the Lord. And that's what it's talking about. And then it goes on to say not to form the... Do things like the world does, but let God transform us by changing the way we think. Now, again, that comes after we present ourselves to God. We worship God. We connect with him, and then he transforms us. He changes us. He changes the way we think, and we begin to see life different from this time of worship. So worship's all about our relationship with God. It's not about your performance. It's about connecting with him, and when you connect with him, you you will naturally do things different. But it starts with just connecting with him. And then Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, Jesus replies, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And we remind ourselves every week that this is what Jesus says is the most important thing. He didn't say the most important thing was you to go do this and do this and do this and do this. He said before anything, the most important thing you can do is connect with God. With every area of your life, love God. Because if you love God, 
You'll spend time with them. You'll connect. And God changes you. You can't, listen, you can't clean a fish until you catch it, right? Go try to clean the fish before you catch it. You can't. We have to get to God first. And then he will do a work in us. But we don't have to get all cleaned up and then come to God. We come to God the way we are, and God changes us. And, and, and he, he, he transforms us. Just like Romans 12 says, and that's the Greek word metamorpho where we get metamorphosis. The caterpillar to a butterfly. That's the transition he's talking about. Something that you just see this way that turns into this beautiful thing. That's, that's what God uses as an analogy for us. That's the kind of transformation. It's completely different than what you were. And that's what we want to talk about today because when you spend time with worship, we talked about what it is. We talked about things that hinder us from worshiping and spending time with God. And now we've been talking about the things that happen as a result of worship. And one of those things that happen as a result of worship is we begin to realize who we are. You begin to realize that you are different than what you think sometimes. How many have ever struggled with seeing yourself valuable? Yeah. And I won't have you raise your hands if, if you still struggle. But you know what? Those are common struggles that we have, even as believers, that we tend to be sometimes very insecure, very conscious of, of whether we're good enough, or really feeling like, oh, you know, I mean, can God really use me in that way? Can God really do something through me? And that's how God... Uh, you know, when God transforms us, he wants us to grow in that. But sometimes we have this, this idea that we're not anything. And, and there's two extremes. You don't want to get to where you think you're God. And you think you just got it all and you can fix everybody's problems. Even though sometimes that's what we try to do. But then there's the other side of it. You don't want to be on that extreme too where you feel like you have no value. But who are we? Well, I'm telling you, the way you really begin to get confident in who you are is you spend time with God. And he'll begin to show you how important you are to him. You'll begin to read his word with a different mindset of, wow, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty, pretty amazing. Do you know Ephesians 2, I don't have this in your notes, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece. How about that? When someone thinks, when you think at times, man, I'm just, no, you remember God says you're his masterpiece. He created you. He loves you. Your picture is on his refrigerator if he has one. He thinks you're amazing. That's God. If we could see ourselves how God sees us, I'm telling you, you would be a completely different person. You would be completely different. Because I can tell you this because I've experienced it. All right? Can I get real with you? You all right with that? I'm going to anyway. If you don't, if you don't like a pastor that doesn't have it all together, then there's churches all over. Maybe you'll find one. But there's times even in me, I remember one time I told him, I was like, yeah, I was kind of insecure about that. What? Pastor, you're not insecure. You, you have no idea sometimes. What goes on inside of people. We tend to look on the outside. That's why the Bible says man looks on the outward. God looks at the heart. Sometimes people even in this room struggle with who they are. But on the outside you'll never know. 
They know the scriptures to say. They know the way to talk. They know the, But down deep, there's this sense of, man, am I really, am I really as valuable? You know, because we know in our hearts. We know this stuff. We, we, we know our struggles. But the more we spend time with God, I'm, I promise you this. And I hope you leave here today encouraged that the more you spend time with God, the more you get, begin to get a really strong identity in who you are. Let's look at a few scriptures. Jeremiah 1.5. This is the Lord saying, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to my nation. He's talking about Jeremiah there, but it's for all of us. God knew you before you were born. He already knew you. He already had plans for you. He knew you. Let's keep going. Look at the next scripture. Thank you. This is in Psalms 139. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh, say it, God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God's thoughts for you, his good thoughts for you, outnumber the grains of sand. So how many of you are going to go to the beach this, this year? I want you to grab some sand. And I want you to, for every grain, I want you to say something nice about yourself, about, about your friend or your, your spouse or whoever. You would run out of stuff before you ever run out of just a small handful. And think about how much grains of sand. And God's thoughts for you outnumber those. You know what the worst feeling sometimes? I say the worst. I'm sure there's worser. Is that a word? More worse feelings. But you know what a bad feeling is? Is when you really care for someone. And they refuse to believe it. When you really say, you know, I love you. No, no, I don't. You can't love me, man. Nobody loves me. Or you tell your child, man, you're, you're amazing. You're a gift. No, I'm not. No, I'm not, Dad. I, I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. What a, what a tough place to be to try to help someone when you see them different than they see themselves. And you're trying to encourage them like that's not who you are. And even as a pastor, I try to do that. I try to help people know, listen, you're different than that. If you can get who you are in your walk with God, and you'll begin to let God show you instead of you coming up with it, everything changes. You, you will be completely different when you really know who you are. You, you, you can't stay the same. Look at this. Look at this passage in John 1. This is John the Baptist. In the beginning of this chapter, they talk about, you know, Jesus and his ministry and John preparing the way. And they ask John about who he is. And he's, he's here but in front of the Jewish leaders. And they're asking him these questions. And this was John's testimonies when the Jewish leaders sent priests to the temple assistants uh, from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? So, so these leaders are, are asking John, who are you? And here's what John says. 
I am not the Messiah. So right away, John recognized who he wasn't. You know what? I'm not the Messiah. I'm not, I'm not that one. And there's a great understanding just in that of knowing who you're not. Because sometimes we carry the pressure that we have to know how to fix it. We have to know how to get through it. We have to know how we're supposed to respond. We want to know how we're supposed to walk this out. How are we supposed to do this? How am I supposed to get through this? I've never faced this before. How am I going to make it? How am I going to have joy in this situation? How's, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to, how am I, how am I? And I want you to know something. If you can get this revelation John had, you're not the Messiah. God says in his word, I will provide for you. Now, God wants you to do what he asks you to do. And if he opens up opportunities, I mean, work and do your stuff. Don't sit around saying God provide. He'll provide a way for you to work and do whatever he needs to do. But provision from God can come through your job. It can come through other ways. But God is your provider. The Lord's helped me realize that. And you know how he helped me? When we left our jobs to start this church, there was nobody here. When we first left, we didn't have, we didn't have a church we were running to. Like, okay, this is where we're going to go. But the Lord said, listen, this, when I call you out, you're still, I'm still your provider. When we were in the basement of New Hope for the first year, as we were just getting going and, and getting, getting things together, when we moved into this facility, I remember the Lord speaking to me when we were doing, getting things ready and we were trying to stay under this budget and we're, we're trying to figure all this out. We're talking with the council. We're doing all this. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, do what I've called you to do because I'm not just your provider until you get to some certain place. I'm always your provider. And if I lead you to do something, I will keep providing along the way. And he has. He's faithful at that. So we can, we, so, so John came right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Let's go to the next verse. So, well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? Nope. I'm not him either. Are you the prophet that we're expecting? No. And then he says, then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent each asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and to untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in Bethany, east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. So here's John not knowing who he's not, but knowing, listen, this is who I am. I'm called to let you know he's coming. I'm called to let you know there's someone following me. I'm not even worthy to untie their sandal. I'm not even worthy to do that. He is so much greater than me. He is so magnificent. I'm, it's, he, he's, he's the one. I'm just telling you he's coming. And John knew who he, that's who he was. And he was comfortable there. He was comfortable being who he was. And the Lord wants us to be comfortable knowing you're who you are. And I want you to know something. There is no other you on the face of this earth. None. 
There is only one me in the whole world. There's only one me. And some people are like, thank God. But there's only one you. There's, we're all unique. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. But we're all unique. And the great, one, of the, one of the things I believe that the Lord really wants to do for us is to, is to show us who we are. Because it will change everything. It will change everything. Okay, I'm going to date myself here. And some of you have heard this before. But um, how many, um, well, this was before, I think it was before we had kids. Patty and I went on a date. That wasn't the last date we've been on. We've been on several. It's not been that bad. Um, but we went on a date one time. It was just me and her. And I was like, Patty, let's just go, whatever. Let's go see a movie. Get something to eat. We went and got something to eat. We went to the movie. And so we're looking to see what movies are playing. And, um, and Patty's like, I said, what do you want to watch? And she's like, I want to watch. This is when this movie first came out. And she said, I want to watch Princess Diaries. I'm like, Princess Diaries? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you, honey. You know, like I'm, I'm going to be with you. You want to save that for your girlfriends? Y'all just go together. And, so I'm looking around like, hey, there's got to be a more violent movie. <laughs> got to be more of a man movie somewhere. I can't tell my friends, hey, let me call you back. I'm seeing Princess Diaries. That just doesn't sound right. How many of you have seen that movie? Come on, man, raise your hand. You know you saw it. Please raise your hand. Somebody, thank you, Donnie. Richie, thank you. If you haven't seen it, good for you. Uh, but anyway, we're at the movie theater, so we're in there, and we're there early, and we got popcorn, we got, you know, we're, we're set up. And I'm looking around, I'm like, Patty, I'm the only male in this room. And I literally was the only male in the room. And then Patty and I were the only other ones over the age of like 13, <laughs> except for chaperones. This movie can't be good. There's bubbles at the beginning. This can't be a good, this is not a man movie. But I watched it. And here's something that I, that I gained from this movie. How, if you've seen the movie, there's this girl, and, and in the beginning of the movie, she's got a couple friends with her, and she's just your typical ordinary girl, low self-esteem, uh, not really with a lot of, just her and her, her one, especially her one little friend, and she just carries herself real you know, like it doesn't matter, whatever. She's just kind of outcast type. And she's just living her life, doing her thing. Not a lot of, you know, not a lot of stuff. Not a lot of excitement. Just, just her own little thing. And then she finds out partway through the movie that she is actually a princess in Genovia. That's where her family is from and where her father was. So she's a princess in Genovia. How many of you know where Genovia is? Okay, I always thought that was a real place. I looked on the map. Yeah, it was horrible. I, was, I said this story one time when I was preaching. I said Genovia, and someone came to me afterwards and said, you know that's not a real place. And I was like, that explains it. I never found it. 
So it's not real, but in the movie it was real. And, um, and there still could be one somewhere that no one knows. It's a small town somewhere. But she's a princess. So as the movie goes on, she begins, uh, she, she moves out there and she begins to operate and learn more about who she is, learn more about her family, learn more about the, the authority that her family had. And at the end of the movie, she is dressed like a princess. She's walking with her head up. She's affecting thousands of people. She's confident. She knows who she is. And she's making a difference in people's lives and in, the, in a country. And the only thing that changed in her life that started all of this was a realization of who she was. But here's the part that the Lord kind of spoke to me in this, was that when she was over here just like nothing, like she was a nobody, she was still a princess there. She didn't become a princess. She already was. But it wasn't until she had the understanding and it wasn't until she began to step out in it a little bit and learn a little bit about it and find out who she was and where she came from. Then all of a sudden, she was a completely different person. So basically, her life changed because she found out who she was. And today, that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to say, listen, you see yourself as, oh, I can barely make it, or I can't make it, or I struggle so much, or I wish I could stay committed, or I wish I could do this, I wish I could do this. I'm just, I'm one of those, you know, whatever. And God's saying, no, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Because what the Bible says, who, who the Bible says you are, is who you are right now. Whether you learn, and, you, and the Lord will help you operate in it. But listen, as a believer... You're a child of God whether you believe it or not. Whether you understand it or not. If you've accepted Jesus, you are in the family of God even if you don't feel like a son. I don't feel like I'm in the family. I feel like he doesn't listen. I feel like he doesn't hear me. I feel like my life's not good enough. But if, you, if Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life and you're, and, you know, you're going to grow, we're all growing. None of us have arrived. But in this journey, you are right now a child of God. And with the more you learn about what that means, man, it changes everything. It changes everything. So let's look at a few scriptures. And don't worry, this is probably a two-part message. Because you're like, he didn't even start those other verses. <laughs> I already told Chris, we probably ain't getting through all this today. Because we're going to take our time. Because it's important for you to know who you are. You're not the, you don't have to have it all together. You're not the Messiah. But who are you? We're going to talk about it. Because let me say this real quick, too. If you don't, here's how you can tell you if you still don't have a full concept and value of who you are. There's still some weak areas how you view yourself. Okay? Here's one thing, and I'm not, I'll let you decide if this fits you. If you're easily offended, it means if someone does one little thing and it just throws you off then there's a lot of value you're putting in based on what other people think about you. If you get offended really easy, you don't have a strong sense of who you are because you're letting other people's stuff determine your value. 
If you can't accept healthy criticism, you don't have a healthy sense of who you are. Because we're all growing. We're all growing. But if someone can't say, listen, you know, like let's say your job. If someone comes up to you and says, listen, you know what, on your job, man, you just, man, you didn't really hit that today. You were just kind of a little off today. Well, you don't understand. I just, and it's all excuses, excuses, excuses. You don't really have a strong sense of who you are. Because you need to be able to say, you know what, okay, I'm going to work on that. Because my value is not in whether I ever mess up. Because can I, can, I just, can I just free you up of that pressure? You're going to mess up. But if it's all in what people think about us, then we don't have a strong sense of who we are. You know what? I told you I'd be real with you, right? I faced a situation just a few weeks ago. And it was a situation where some people, I was talking to some people, and they were talking about, um, they were looking for a, a church to go to. And, and I knew these people, and I, I knew them pretty well. And, and uh, they looked around a little bit, and they finally decided to go to this other place. And you know what happened to me when I was talking to him? He was telling me, and in my, in my, in, inside of me, I never said it, but inside of me I thought, I wonder why he didn't try to thrive. I literally felt it. I literally began to feel rejected. Godly Scott, loving Jesus Scott. It don't matter if people come here or not, Scott. God is going to build a church, Scott. And because we weren't even in the consideration, something in me hurt. But it wasn't a healthy hurt. It was an insecure, like, I'm not a good pastor. Man, wait, we, is our church not something that people would want to come to? Man, what, if, what am I doing? Like, what, what have I done? And you know what that showed me? Scott, there's something in you that has to grow and being confident and just being you. Because because of the way we are and the, because of the way God is leading us, everybody's not going to come here. That's normal. We can fit them anyway. And we're not going to do 28 services a weekend. So, but, but if I'm being real with you, it, it bothered me. And the Lord pointed it out. Even as this was happening, the Lord was speaking to me while I'm listening to this other person and I'm getting my feelings hurt. And then the Lord's like, hey, you're okay, buddy. You're doing what I've called you to do. Be confident. Be confident. I'm doing something in them that they need to be over there. They don't need to be here. Whatever it is, I don't know. I don't have to have the reasoning. But is it okay that I'm honest to tell you that it hurt my feelings for a minute? So if you think, like, hey, he's an insecure pastor. Yes. Yes. And that's why I'm saying to you, just because we know God and just because we know the word and just because we, we have this outward thing of God is amazing, God will build this church, and that's the church the gates of hell will not prevail. And I know that and I believe that. But are there still moments when I question the validity of who I am? Yes. That's why I can say to you, 
that I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place as you say, Lord, help me see myself like you do. Because God comforted me in that place. He said, listen, you're doing what I've called you to do. You be faithful. And you will have everything that you need. And you will be, at the end of my life, all I want to hear is the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear like, well, you tried. <laughs> I want to hear, well done. Even when, even when your feelings got hurt, you picked yourself back up and saw, no, God, you told me that's not who I am. I'm obedient. I'm faithful to what you say. And I'm going to do it. But how many of us, if we really look, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll go out on the limb by myself on this one. But how many other times in our life, in your life, have people made a comment? And, and on the outside, you're like, oh, yeah. And on the inside, you're like, ow, that hurt. And that's a sign that, listen, we're still not fully confident in who we are. Because we, we just we get offended. We get real sensitive. And it's happening in the world we live in. Oh, my goodness. We live in a world where people don't know who they are. And everything hurts their feelings. I mean, everybody's all hurt over, like, oh, okay, that's not what, sorry. Because we're so sensitive. You can't even ask someone nicely, you know, or, or, or you can't challenge someone. I'm learning. You can, you can ask the staff. I am learning to be, like, I used to be much more afraid to even confront issues, even to say, like, we probably could do a little better in that area. I would just be like, well, you know, we're human. But part of that was because I, I didn't want people to not like me, or I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I didn't want to, but you know what? We don't have time for that. We don't have time to let try to make everybody see things how we see them. We don't have time to, to, uh, to just go on this place of insecurity and, and concern of what people think that it cripples us and we don't do what we're supposed to do. Early in ministry, there's certain things I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want to preach too strong because what if people don't like it? But if God is really calling us to worship him, and he's really calling us to be all that he's called us to be. And if we really truly are to get healthy here so we can be out there and make a difference, then we're going to have to know the truth because the truth is going to set us free. And if I'm speaking the truth, sometimes we don't know who we are, y'all. We're not confident enough in who we are and we, we feel it here because it's normal here. But we go out there and we, and we get nervous and we get afraid to step up. We get afraid to stand strong. We get afraid to really live it out in front of other people. Because what if they don't believe us? What if they don't see it? What if they make fun of us? Or what if, what if they think we're crazy or they think we're different? Guess what? That's okay because light is supposed to stand out in darkness. God will help you. But the way you live will be such a thing, that according to the, the word, that your light will so shine that people will see it and glorify the Father. It will be a healthy thing that God will get glory by what he, people see in your life. But you're amazing and you're valuable to God. It hurts. It hurt. I, I could just sense the Lord looking saying, man, I don't, I don't want you feeling that way. I don't want you looking in the mirror not excited about what you see. 
I don't want you wrestling with the things, okay, so you, you, you messed up or you didn't hit that, you didn't make that. That's okay. You know what? Righteous people fall. Just get back up. Just get back up because God sees you way different than you see yourself. Way different. So let's go to this first, first verse <laughs> of who are you. I told you, we got plenty of time. It's already been a 16-week series, so we're good. All right. Ephesians 1.5. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own, only, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Listen, God wanted you. He wanted to bring you into his family. He loves you. He adores you. Look at this next verse in 1 John. See how much our father loves us? He calls us his children. And I love this part. And that's what we are. Not that's what we will be. That's what we are. Now let me tell you something about the understanding of being a child of God. We celebrate Father's Day today, and and I never understood the love of the Father as much. But then when I became a father, it was like the Lord really helped me to see something a little bit different. And I remember, I remember when Zach was born. And for those who don't know, my first born Zach, he's 17 now, and he's a miracle boy. He was born with Down syndrome. He's doing amazing. But I remember when he was born, I remember the joy that I had in seeing this life. Like that's the first time I've ever seen a child born. I was like, it's like an alien movie almost. I was like, that's amazing. And even though, yeah, sorry, I don't know why I said that out loud. But even though when they're first born, I, they're not the prettiest things when they're first born. And I was like, ugh. But you know what? Man, I remember holding Zach, and I remember just crying. This is before we do anything. And I was just crying. I was overwhelmed with love. I thought, that's mine? Like, is this my, my baby? And as tears go down my eyes, I'm just amazed at God's creation. And I feel this love I've never felt before. And even with it, a sense of like, I don't even know how to be a dad. And I'm a dad. I'm praying for you, Zach, because I don't know what I'm doing. And then when they came and told us, listen, we've run some tests and, and he is down soon. Can I just tell you something? Did we, have to, did we have to walk through some stuff then? Yeah, but I didn't know how, so I just buried it. But you know what didn't change? My love for Zach. It never changed. And, and, and I won't get gross with this, but then when they grow up, you know, when they're babies, man, you have to change them. And, and they're not, they don't come out potty trained. And I'll never forget the first time Patty left, I'm like, Really? What happens if, well, then you need to change him. I was all right. And I, I had this, 
I, I like Patty's perfume. So I would spray it on my shoulder. And I was like, all right, Zach. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. And that's how I did it. But you know what? Even in all of that, with all of the stuff, all the responsibility that comes with it, all of the things that are like, oh, how, ooh, that's gross. Guess what? My love never changed with all of him, with, with, with things that he can't do, things that he can do, struggles he has, all of that. Love never changed. Chase was born a year and a half later. And when he's born, I hold him in my hands, and it's a whole new process. The tears just flow. I'm like, man, I'm a dad again. Chase, I don't know how to be a dad, but I love you, and he done nothing for me. Listen, these kids came out. They didn't do nothing. They didn't thank me for the diapers. They didn't thank me for the carry thing that we put them in the car in. They didn't thank me for the blanket. They didn't say thank you to the doctor and the nurse. They didn't do nothing. They just sat there and cried because I want drink. I want food. I changed my diaper. Do this, do this. They were just baby bossy. <laughs> right? So then a few years later, here comes Meg. And I, honestly, I said this before to other people. When, when, when Patty was pregnant with Meg, I literally said this to people. This one won't be as bad because I kind of know what to expect. So I'll be fine. And then here she comes. And I've never had a girl in my family except my mom, but I had brothers. I had all brothers. So I didn't even know how to get my arms around a little girl. How do, how, how do you... How, what is, how do you, all, just life in general, a little girl, I don't know, does she break easily? And I'll never forget, man, when she was born, I just bawled my eyes out. And I realized that as much as you think you can prepare, every child brought the same amount of love, the same amount of, of excitement and joy. And it was almost like God was saying, look, sometimes we compare like, yeah, but he's a pastor or, or he's an evangelist or, or he's a missionary. But I'm just, listen, it doesn't matter. When you came to Jesus, man, they celebrated you just as much as they celebrated anybody else. Your value is the same as mine, the same as Billy Graham, the same as anybody. Your value is the exact same. God sees us all the same. And I learned that, and I thought, wow, God, you're just amazing. We're children of God. And when, when all of my kids were born, guess what I naturally did without complaining? I fed them. I changed them when they needed change. I cleaned them when they needed clean. I provided for them. I protected them. Taking Zach on a walk and the dog comes running and I jump in front of the stroller and I let that dog know with a size 13, you will not touch my child. <laughs> and he took off. That was I didn't I didn't think about that. If I thought about that, I'd been like, all right, that's a big dog. Zach, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> no, I didn't do that because that's not what a it's not what a father does. And sometimes getting the grasp that, that God is your father and that you're his child, the Lord has to help sometimes because we have a bad view of our earthly father. And it's hard for us to grasp that. But what God wants to do is tell you, listen, that earthly father 
whether good or bad, doesn't compare to the Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father says, listen, he, he loves you no matter what. He's the one that adopted you. He picked you. You didn't just show up in his life. He picked you. He brought you in. And he promises to take care of you and to provide for you and to teach you and to help you and to be there for you. That's who God is. And because you're his child, he says, look, I don't want you worrying about anything. None of my kids, they, they weren't working in elementary school. They weren't, they weren't you know, I didn't tell them you had to get a job. Hey, listen, you're seven now, man. You need to find a job. No, you know what? They're in school. They're doing all this stuff right now. Hey, man, we got you. We're providing for you. We give them what they need and sometimes what they want. We go above and beyond just like, well, you don't really need that. Sometimes we just want to bless them. That's what, that's what your father does. He wants to bless you. He wants to do above and beyond anything you could ask or think because that's who he is. That's the God he is. And if you know, man, I'm, a, I'm his child, it changes. It changes everything. You are a child of God. Romans 15, 7, then we'll finish. Then we'll do the rest next week. Y'all are getting nervous, weren't you? Therefore, accept others just as Christ has accepted you, so God will be given glory. Can I tell you one other thing that you are? You're accepted. Do you know in all the years I spent uh, 15 years in youth ministry, full-time youth ministry, you know what every young person that came through that youth group wanted? Acceptance. Do you know why peer pressure is so strong? Because people want acceptance. That's what, it, that's what they want. So they feel pressure from their peers and they, they give in because that means they'll be accepted. Listen, God accepts you. He, just, he accepts you. You come to God today with all of your struggles, with all of your past, with all of your stuff, with all the things that you, all the reasons in your mind why you think he doesn't really see as much value in you. And you're going you're gonna to find that like with every other child of God, he completely is in love with you. And you can bring all your stuff with you. And he's going to love on you and slowly help you. He's going to just cleanse you of that stuff. He's going to set you free of that stuff. He's going to transform you into a new person. But you're accepted right now. We, sometimes churches and and people, we make it so difficult. Like we, People have to get to some place before we make them feel like, okay, yeah, you're solid. But some of the most solid people on the inside are not solid at all. You know what makes us solid? It's the solid rock that's in us. And because of Jesus and because of the Spirit of God in us, We can do anything. But God doesn't want you letting anything stop you from coming to him. If you look at the Psalms, David, he, 
Listen, they would have medicated David back then. Because in one way, he's like, God, where are you? You're never around. You've abandoned me. You're this. Oh, God, I give you praise. I just love you. I... There's a lot of songs where David's pouring out this frustration. There's one place where he even says that I offer my complaints to the Lord. What does that look like? Just like it sounds. He complains to the Lord. And guess what? God accepted it. God accepted him. I know you're hurting. I know you're frustrated. I know you don't understand. But listen, I can take it because God is confident in who he is. So God's not moved when you say, God, you're not there for me. God's like, I, I know I'm there for you. You just don't understand. But God's not going to be like, I'm a bad God. <laughs> See, that's what we do. When someone says that to us, oh, man, I'm just a bad. No, God, he knows who he is. He even says, I am who I am. That's that's how God says who he is. And he stays solid in it. And we can complain and we can can be real to God and we can let him know, oh, that just hurt me, God. That just, Lord, that just bothered me. And God can handle it because he's God and he's confident in who he is. And because of that confidence, the more we begin to just talk about it, the more we begin to talk ourselves out of what we think we believe and we realize we really don't even believe that anyway. And God becomes new and real to us in a new way. Because he accepts us. That story I told you earlier about when I felt hurt. Man, I was able to just work that out with God. I didn't plan on telling all of y'all. But if it lets you understand and lets you get more comfortable that maybe you have some of those struggles, then it's all right. But I said, God, why? Why didn't, why didn't he come here? Why didn't they come here? Why, what's wrong with us? What's wrong? And, and when I worked that with God, guess what? Man, I just, God just loved me. And he, and he healed me. I began to understand that there's, there's reasons. And God sends places, people to places. For reasons. And we have to be faithful in our lane. And there's a lot of churches, a lot of people, and they're all driving down this huge interstate. We're all heading the same direction. But our lane, we're driving this way. Someone else, they could come from this side. They can come this way. We're all heading there. But if they're not in our lane, that's okay. As long as you're still going to God, that's what's important. We're heading the same direction. Listen, you don't have to ride on our bus. But get on a bus that's pointing to Jesus. And you'll be fine. God heals us. God heals us. I'm telling you, he heals us. I'm much more confident than I was a few weeks ago with that situation. Because I know, God, you know what? Is there still times when it hurts to people aren't here, people leave, or what, yeah, but you know, I'm just learning to realize it doesn't mean something's wrong with God, just means I got to stay the course for his sake and for mine.